0: Okay Tov. We continue now in the Daf Amor Aleph. Uh, we're still on the Agada, the story of Shlomo HaMelech's dedication to the Beit HaMikdash. And uh, picking up from that, uh there is a story at the end of Dafteta Amor Rabbi Yonatan ben Amsaiv Rabbi Yehuda ben Geirim. These were students of Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai. Tanu Parshat Nedarim bei Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai. So they were studying Parshat Uh Iftur Minei Orta. And they uh, said goodbye to him in the evening. They were going to depart for their, ta- for their hometown, but hadu come iftur And they stuck around until the morning. So they came to him again, and again they took their leave of him. So Amelohu, Rabbi said to them, Volavi bearta? Didn't you leave me already last night? Did you took official leave of me last night? Why are you coming again to say an official goodbye?" Rabenu, you taught us. If a student takes leave of his Rebbe at night and stays over in the same city, he has to take leave again in the morning. Shinemar, and this is what hooks us back to the story of Shlomo. Mayomashmini shilachatam varvechuatam That is in Malachim, uchtiv in the parallel pasuk in the Reyamim. So the notion is that Mayomashmini, of course, is the 22nd of Tishrei. And here it says the 23rd of Tishrei. Because after all, Yom Hashmini is with Yom Hashmini of Sukkot. So that's the 22nd. The notion here is that Shlomo said goodbye to the people on Shmini Atzeret, but they, of course, did not leave that day. They stayed over in Yerushalayim. And so the next day, there was another formal departure and a formal blessing and farewell. Good. So now, Amar break. So B'Shemar told his son, that's what B'lazor Shimon. These are people really of stature, these two students. So he said to his son, Elazar, go to these two Talmidim and get a bracha from them. He found that they were studying and they were throwing psukim, literally throwing psukim against each other, meaning they were identifying contradictions in the implications of pairs of psukim. One of them was, tupsukim in, in weigh out the way that you walk, measure out the way that you walk, and all of your ways will be set. And the other pasuk says, don't try to weigh out the way of your life. So what does that mean? Either you take steps, uh, deliberately or not. So, the way Rashi understands this, is that the con, the conflict that they identified, the contradiction they identified, was whether or not you weigh out an action you're about to take and say, is this action worth more than that action? Is this mitzvah greater than that mitzvah? Or do you, any mitzvah that you have the opportunity to do, you should do without regard to the potential reward and value of it. So the answer was, mitzvah, shi'ir, shalish, Some mitzvah that no one else is going to accomplish, you've got to do no matter how, how insignificant it may seem and uh, the mitzvah that other people could take care of, then you weigh out and you go for the most significant one. Then they ask the following question, again, about a pair of psukim, which are psukim number now uh, five and six on the page. This, by the way, is also found in the Yerushalmi and Peah in the first parak, Uh that uh, in Tehilim it says that it is dearer, it being a reference to the Torah is dearer, than, than rubies, than, uh, than jewels, and all of your desires cannot equate to it. Mashma hachabse shomae mishfubah. Mashma that God's desires do equate to it. In other words, mitzvot are, uh, as great as Torah. Ukhti v'chocha fatzim lo In a parallel Pasukh and says, no desires are as great as Torah. Meaning, afil chabse says lo So which is it? Is Torah greater than everything, including mitzvot, or is it equal to mitzvot? So They read it not as a theoretical valuation, but as a practical trumping. question is, when you're studying Torah, do you stop to do another mitzvah? The answer is, if it's a mitzvah that no one else is going to accomplish, then indeed that mitzvah is equal weight, and you put down the Torah and do the mitzvah. Uh, if on the other hand, it can be done by someone else, halacha, for instance, if two sons are in the room, one of them is studying and the other one is not studying, And father says to his sons, in general, somebody get me a glass of water. So the one who's not studying has to go get it. The one who's studying, it can be done by somebody else. On the other end, he's the only son in the house. His father says, get me a glass of water. Immediately put down the Gemara and go get the glass of water. Good. So then, Amruli, my ba'itacha. Then they turned to Rabbi Shemar Yochai's son and said, what are you doing here? His father told me to come to you to get a brachat. Good. i they told him the most curious thing. So, in, on the page, I laid this out as the bracha and then the favorable interpretation of the bracha, but it doesn't sound like much of a bracha. It should be God's will that you should plant and not, and not reap. Bring things in and not bring anything out. Take things out and not bring anything in. Which, by the way, sounds either like so sort the of meaningless, uh, uh, self-negation in your activity and you won't accomplish anything or it makes it sound like anything that you uh, bring in is not going to be exported and anything that you send out, you're not going to gain from it. <speaking in> your house should be destroyed and you should live in an inn. <speaking> in> your table should be all confused and you shouldn't see a new year. These are all wonderful <speaking in> blessings, of course. Rabbi <speaking in> went back to his father. Not only did they, you told me to go to them for bracha, not only did they not give me a bracha, but they harassed me. So to asked, what did they tell you? So he repeated the uh, curse, as it were. You should know that all of these are brachot. What did they mean when they said you should plant and not reap? Means you should plant and move have children and not reap, meaning they won't die in your lifetime. Ta'ayil v'lo te'puk, you should bring in and not take out. Meaning ta'ayil kalata, you will bring in daughters-in-law to your sons. And your sons would not die during your lifetime that you're going to then send these girls away, these daughters-in-law away. Te'puk v'lo ta'il, the inverse, which is you will take out and not bring in. To'lid b'anta, you will have daughters. And their husbands will not die. But they would come back to your empty nest. Lecharu be'tach relate to that your house should be destroyed and you should live in an inn. Meaning, alma This world is an inn. You should live for a long life. alma here doesn't mean the world to come. It means your grave is a house. The next pasuk on the page from Tehilim memtet Their graves are their houses forever. Talk about the dead. So in other words, your grave should be destroyed and you should live in an inn, this world, for a long time. Your, your table should be very confused. I meaning you should have lots of kids around the table and lots of noise and and, and uh, commotion. You shouldn't see a new year, meaning that your wife should not die, that you should marry a new wife. And this is based on the notion of relate your wife for, for a whole year. So... You will not have a new, fresh year with anybody because you and your wife will live together for a long time. Roshim Khalafta Chalafta, ift'aminei durav. So now we hear several small stories about similar things of people departing and getting these blessings. Roshim ben Chalafta left Rav. Amarle Avua. so his father, Roshim ben Chalafta, said, Go to him for a bracha. Amar le'yei raven lo t'vayish he wrote something that you should not shame or be shamed. Which sounds like somewhat of a simple thing. So he went to his father. And his father said, what did he tell you? Um, and so he, he said, He told me some very simple things. It's he gave you the bracha that HaKadosh Baruch Hu gave Amisrael and he repeated it. li olam. Ani li olam. It's a bracha, it shows up in Yorl. only one of the Psukim is on the page, but in the bracha, twice in a row, God says, My nation will never, never be shamed. So don't take that lightly. That's a bracha. Of Baruch Hu. that's very nice. Okay, back to our Mishnah. Mishnah said, and she studied yesterday, a woman could do all these facial treatments. The following is what we're talking about. Kochelet, which is some sort of a, um, a coloring of the face, makeup. Pokeset, which is like a rouge. She could put uh, some sort of, um, a treatment on her face that's a dilapidatory. Some say it refers to, uh, to uh, hair on the lower part of the body. So Rav Chista's wife did this on Cholamoy in the presence of her daughter-in-law. Meaning she was an older woman when she did it. So now a student was in front of Rav Chista. He said, He said, This Mishnah that allows women to do all this facial treatment is only a young girl. I was a cane, but an older woman, low. Right? she right? She doesn't do it. She doesn't do it. So Khita said to him, absolutely not. He took an oath and he said, Even your mother, even your grandmother, you a female even a woman who's got one foot in the grave, can still beautify herself on Cholamoid with these treatments. Tamri Inchi, what is the statement? kal Right? A woman who's sixty years old is like a six year old uh woman. Uh she always goes running, uh, literally she always goes running to the to the beach, as it were. Uh, they uh, they maintain their youthful uh, feeling and excitement even in their old age, and so it brings them much nachat ruach to allow them to uh, do this treatment on cholamoy. Good, Rabbi Yehuda Omer The end of the Mishnah said Rabbi said that she shouldn't do this uh, lime kind of treatment of um, of um, uh, on the face because it is something that in the meantime she looks disgusting while she has it on. Tanya, Rabbi Omer isha lo Right? The woman should not do this. If it's the kind that she could take off right away, she can put it on. Even though it hurts her right now, she enjoys it after a while. In other words, even though right now she's taking it off and it hurts, nonetheless, a little bit later on she's going to feel good. Since when does the hold that you can do something which is um, painful, that if you do something which is painful now, but it brings you joy later, it's considered to be a joyous thing. That's really the question. But now we have a statement. The Mishnah at the beginning of Otah says you're not allowed to do business with a pagan during the three days before, after, or certainly on one of the pagan festivals. That lists the calendar of the pagan festivals. The reason is because he's going to go to his god on the festival or afterwards he'll credit his worship of the god on the festival and say it's because of that that this happened or go to his god and thank him for this good business rabbi huda says you're allowed to exact payment from them because it, they're not happy about it at all what was chachamim's disagreement uh they said he'll be happy later so you see that rabbi huda does not buy that as a distinction so how so how come here he buys it as a distinction and says, if she'll be happier later, on it's okay. Leave alone. It's all built on the notion of something that's hard right now and it makes you happy later. After all, Cholomoyed, when you water your field, the action of watering your field is not something that makes you happy, but since it's a down and you're going to feel better about the fact you're not losing your crop, so we allow it right? That's one answer. Ravina Ravina says, no, that you're looking for the distinction in the wrong place. Look over in the laws of uh, commerce with the pagan and you'll see it's not the case. Rabbi Yudah does not agree with Chachamim that after a while he'll, the Goyal the, will the, feel good that at least I paid my debt and I don't have that Jew after me anymore. He always feels upset that he had to pay back and therefore he, there is never a Simcha. That's what Rabbi Yudah holds. Whereas so Rehuda essentially holds that something that you do that's painful but afterwards brings you joy in retrospect is considered a joy. But here there is no joy. I'm Rehuda. Right. Uh, so Rehuda said the following thing. If Rehuda Yisrael are not of age, but they not, nevertheless have had proper body development, so, what do they do as a depilatory? They use some lime. Ashiro They use some sort of fine flour. but royalty They use this myrrh oil. And the quote from the story of Esther and her treatment in Shem and Hamor. So, in my Shem and Amor. what is Shem and Hamor? which is um, is some sort of uh, myrrh oil. It's the name of an oil. He said, you know what it is? It's very, very, very virgin oil with with olives that have not yet ripened even to a third. That's what anpikinon is. Why do they put it on? It's a depilatory. It makes the skin look very fresh. Bibi Barta. So that's a story about Rabibi. He had a daughter. Tafla Aver Aver. He put this on one bit at a time. Shakalba Zuze. Right? And it ended up costing, um, 400 zuz. Sorry. Because he put it on, he was able to get 400 zuz, And it was a double-sized Ketubah because his daughter was so beautiful as a result of it. But he put it on one little bit at a time, as you will see in a moment. Uh, Taf, so there was a guy who lived in his neighborhood. He saw what happened, so he also gave his depilatory to his daughter. Tafla but he did her whole body in one shot. Umeta, it was too much, and she died. So Ammar Bibi the Barti, and so he came with a claim. He said Bibi killed my daughter. Right? You see what happened. Amram Nachman bar Bibi, Rabibi the Shati by buying banta tafla. You know why Rabibi needed to do this? They said because Rabibi drank a lot of mead. His daughters were naturally somewhat uh, more um, hirsut, and therefore they needed to have this. We don't drink so much meat, and therefore and Our daughters don't need this; so they don't have that attribute. All right. The next piece in the Mishra said, "A regular guy can stitch in a um, in a simple in a normal way." And a, uh, a, uh, master, tailor, can only stitch machlif. We'll see what that is. So what is the action of a head yot? If you can't pull several stitches at one time, that's a head Anybody who's not able to line up the, uh, the hem, um, uh, at the very edge, Alright, so therefore it's not even. Like, uh, many of us do at home when we don't do a perfect job of putting a button back on. We said a mass, a tailor has to be machliv. Machliv sounds like a dog. What does that I mean? My machliv. In other words, he does gross stitches, big stitches. He does it like a dog's teeth, in other words, very uneven. He stitches in a way that's very uneven. Okay the last piece in the Mishnah said misargen etamitot. Now remember the beds that they had were essentially made of um of poles and then there was a hammock type weave of ropes underneath and they put a mattress on top. M'sargin means to lay down the the ropes. Mine and it said misargen um etamitot that was the first opinion in the Mishnah and then Rabbi Yossi said um, All right. So let's see what this is. Mematchinzi means to stretch. What do these terms mean? So we have a machloket. And is a Machlokan about this. And they're quoting their Rabbeim, Rabbe Yochanan, and Chizkiah. One of them said, means the warp and the wolf. In other words, do them both directions. Matchin means just in one direction, lay ropes down but you can't cross them. So it's less of a professional thing. So that means the Tanakhama says you could do warp and wolf, and Rabbi says only one way. the other one takes it one notch down. Mesagin means to lay the ropes out. Matchin, Rabbi Yossi's opinion be that all you can do is tighten it if it's loose. So you can't put any new ropes down. Is that true? Everybody agrees that you cannot put down ropes. So According to the first opinion, it says it's either warp or woo for just one direction. So then I understand why he says that everybody agrees you can't set up the ropes. You can just sort of arrange them. Elamanda uh, Mar according to the opinion that says is that nobody allows you to do both warp and woof. So certainly, if you can't set up the warp and woof, you certainly you don't need to tell me that everybody agrees you can't uh, lay the ropes down. So the answer is kasha. You're right. That second opinion is very difficult. Wait, time out. Is there anybody here who says misargin means to only set it up in one direction? After all, but none. we have a Mishnah in Kalim. When is a bed uh, considered to be a bed that it's makabotuma? When you have set up three units of the rope, which means misargin means both uh, in both directions. You cannot buy it. Of, uh, of rope, unless you're going in both warp and woof direction. The answer is everybody understands that mizargin means to go in both directions. The only machloket in Eretz Israel between Chizkun and was about mmatchin. He played in matchin. Marzav armatchin shdib lo So one opinion was that matchin means to set it up in one direction, and the other one says no. Me just means to tighten it. Meitave, so we have a challenge to that. Meis sargin et tamitave, so ikhla marsh matrin. There are mayor. mayor says you're allowed to be misargin. sargin, it's certainly me matrin. We also me so that's like our mishnah matchin. Avalom meis sargin. We en kol ikar. Now, if me means, well, let's see that the Gemara play it out. So, bishlam alamadur matchin shti below Arab, if you say matrin, means just one direction, which means in our bright we say, you could either, a mayor says you can both, both directions, or a says only one direction. And the yeshomim says, you can't do any of that, but we would assume it means you could tighten it. So, then I understand the yeshomim would disagree. But if a biosi, the middle opinion says, meaning you can stretch it, so the yeshomim so the is going to prohibit even that? Why would anybody prohibit just stretching out the ropes? So, in, yes, he could. Since you could fill the area of the bed with the vessels to, in place of the ropes and just put the mattress on top of that, you could put some pillows or something underneath it and not do the stretching, so he would even forbid that. So indeed, it is possible to say that Mematrin means to lay shtiva erev, lo erev, or matrin really means to stretch, and there would be even an opinion that would not allow that. Everybody should have a wonderful day, and we will continue Mirza Hashem tomorrow with the Mishnah and Daf Yod and finish Parak Rishon.